0: You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes. Dead Air Nipe here with always.
1: Typical Lydia.
0: Today's show we're gonna be doing the nineteen seventy-three slash partial discussion of the 2010 remake, classic, head-to-head, the crazies.
1: I think that it makes a lot of sense for us to talk about both of them because what is there to say? We could we could talk up the original and talk down the remake, and vice versa you know if we were only to do one of the films and i think that they're stronger together so much like us on the show stronger together <laughs> i think that the crazies talking about them both it would be hard for me to not talk about the remake while talking about the original and there's things in the remake that i need to bring up about the original that make it uh, a lesser movie so yeah stronger together that's our fucking tagline
0: you ain't just whistling Trixie.
1: What a great name for a virus, I guess. Is this the T-Virus? Is this the, the beginning of the T-Virus?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of, of T-Virus. It's a little bit of the, uh, I don't know, Agent Orange. Like, there's uh, fun names for all kinds of terrible things uh, that you can uh, apply from our histories. I What's interesting is when the crazies was released this sort of um hippy dippy we don't trust the government because everyone's incompetent truly incompetent uh was uh still the flavor of the day all the auteur directors were hitting this uh pretty hard and it's interesting how now when the crazies was remade those sentiments became even more extreme watching these two films back to back I was struck by how different they are in terms of what they're talking about or rather how they're talking about the same thing uh, I don't know if you, you got a sense of that when you were watching both of them
1: partially I got um, a more of a sense of how it is portrayed when the army storms in and takes over your town just the way that it's portrayed where we've seen that play out maybe more often in a modern era to a smaller scale and maybe not so much within north america but we have visions of that and you can translate things like the army coming in to help clear snow in toronto to what you're going to use as a visual for that scenario in the remake where Earlier, they were probably relying more on wartime scenarios and specifically Vietnam because these are Vietnam mm-hmm. veterans in the original that we're dealing with as the firefighters Ratchet and Clank, and they <laughs> well just Clank, <laughs> but yes, yeah, David and Clank rather. Yeah. Um. So th- that is very fresh in their minds and it translates well at the time then and doesn't translate properly now because we have a very different sense of the way the government operates and our mistrust is placed in different areas we're not as worried about them or actually i will correct myself up until two and a half years ago we weren't so worried about the government swooping in and poisoning us poisoning us all and uh acting like it's a big conspiracy and keeping things under wraps but then two and a half years ago happened and there are people that are as worried about the conspiracy that the government is injecting us with mind control or experimental drugs, that worry actually persists right now.
0: I saw you have a conversation with somebody on social media where the person you were speaking to seemed convinced that they were injecting people with the AIDS virus. And yeah, we don't have to get into that because I know that's a real person with their own thoughts and feelings on things But that is just to illustrate where we're at where you very patiently have to sit and have a, a, a real conversation with somebody Trying to say No That's not the case and I think that um one thing that predicated us wanting to do the crazies was how not so much, you know when we think about viral movies, we think about anything in which a populace goes insane either it's a zombie film or like 28 Days Later or something like that. We did Rabid uh, a very similar film to this in a lot of ways, although (laughs) <laughs> David is far less wooden than our protagonist from uh, Rabid. Uh, you y- you tend to think of these films as showing how ridiculous it would be for somebody to, to things get out of control this way. How could things be this ridiculous? How could people be this delusional? And yet we see it and when we first talked about doing this film it was on the heels of the ottawa occupation the 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 trucker convoy that gripped ottawa for a month and it took us a little while to start recording again because of just life and and you know every time it was time to sit down and record you or i had something else that we needed to do and It seemed less relevant. It seemed as though I was going to have to get onto the show and say, remember a funny little story happened a couple of months ago? You guys remember this? Seems so locked in our past. And yet, as we speak, our downtown area is gripped once again by the Rolling Thunder. And gang, if you think that sounds stupid, it is. And if you think that people who are part of the trucker convoy are morons, well guess what? Now they're morons on two wheels instead of four or 18. And like I the trucker convoy illustrated so much the divide. I usually have a live and let live policy. But the the trucker convoy, perhaps selfishly because it was in my own neighborhood, so I was looking at all of this, seeing all of this. But I couldn't understand how people could support it. I couldn't understand why people couldn't see that this was ridiculous. And yet, and you had eloquently put it uh, back then, it's just people coming out of their sugar shacks, surrounded by their 20 closest idiot friends that all read the same bullshit online, and then they think the whole world's on their side. And I don't even know what they're protesting this time. What mandates? What are you talking about?
1: The awkward thing is that it's not necessarily a protest. They had begun Rolling Thunder to celebrate their freedoms. That's what the point of the Rolling Thunder was. So they're celebrating their freedoms. So I'm just going to read a quick selection of the Twitter from moments ago. Here we are uh ottawa news twitter ottawa police we are seeing freedom supporters wearing protective gear we are reminding everyone to remain lawful respectful and follow police direction i'm just gonna find another gem ottawa's interim police chief says residents can expect to see more street closures in the downtown court today as a rolling thunder ottawa event shifts into high gear this is following 400 more than 400 tickets issued last night from 7 pm onward and 30 vehicles towed from the downtown core and just one more they've closed the rito center mall once again which it was closed for almost 20 days leading to uh lots of lost wages so it's just extra insulting that it's closed once again investigators are asking for public's assistance in identifying this woman in relation to an incident with police on Rideau street last night they give a contact number and they show some pictures she is wrapped in a canadian flag (sighs) so it has been an assault not only on our city but on our patriotism there are many people who are sort of reeling with the idea of like how do i react now when i see a canadian flag is that somebody who is going to give me a hard time Or is this uh, someone who wants to show traditional patriotism in in our country as we normally did and normally should be able to? And, And it's created such a divide when dealing with somebody, especially somebody I know, who is brainwashed, for lack of a better term, by a lot of these, this online rhetoric that they're continuously copy pasting amongst themselves, much like a virus itself. I always ask where it came from, like with the HIV thing, that the vaccines are causing the HIV virus, and that's what they're injecting into people. It uh, seemed to come from Infowars, and at least I knew where it came from, that it wasn't that this person believes this because they've come up with this whole cloth or that they know somebody who has contracted HIV. And it came from some testing that was being done that was showing a false positive HIV a number of years ago for something unrelated to COVID vaccines and the two wires just became crossed and then that came out into these actual fake news sites and that's where this person was getting the bulk of their information because they don't trust mainstream media for whatever reason anymore.
0: As somebody who has um, been very involved in journalism I'm always curious like what your thoughts are. I did uh, like in, to a lesser extent, I've, I've been involved in like broadcast journalism and um, I can speak to as a person who reviews things. I reviewed movies and I reviewed all kinds of stuff over my life uh, for the internet. And I know based off of my limited experience, how there is just a deep, deep misunderstanding about what that process is and if you're owned by a conglomerate, and a lot of journalism's are freelance, right? A lot of people are just writing stories, writing articles uh, without much of an agenda other than trying to stick to the uh, rules of journalism. But what is your perspective on, on people's misunderstanding of what it is? Because I, I feel like we're in this impossible place where you can say something based on scientific evidence based off of experts based off of and even wholly admitting that this is what current experts are saying to a developing situation we don't have all the information just yet but this is this this is the best information we have right now so here's what we got and you will immediately have somebody who said like i don't care because i don't trust what you're saying i it's all fake news so any and Or if you say something like, what's your source? Cite your source. So where's this information coming from? And you could say any anything, literally anything. And they're like, I don't trust that. That's fake news. So I was like, so you can't even convince somebody. Like, what do I have to present to somebody where they're just like, hmm, this is compelling new information. Is that possible anymore?
1: It's barely possible. And it's the same as arguing creationists. Uh, if you've ever sat down with a creationist and argued Darwin with them, it's the exact same sort of thing where you just cannot, you cannot win. And it's not a win-lose thing. I think that a lot of the time, the best you can get in a scenario of winning is at least planting a seed where they're going to take that idea and go off and maybe inform themselves a little bit. And that disconnect with people who aren't journalists, don't seem to understand how journalism works. And they really honestly think that they are a government controlled entity that is force feeding us information to control us. That's really what they think. And they've never been on a news floor. They know they don't know journalists. And if they do, they count them as, as enemies and they don't listen to them or understand exactly how they work. They don't understand how ethics work and how fact and uh, news gathering works. They have no idea. They either view them as they are being fed information by the government and forced to write and say what they write and say, or that they are ambulance chasers and mm-hmm. prying into people's lives. And those two looks together, just this form, this very distasteful view of what journalism is. And, and if that were true, I would get that. But even before starting journalism training, I had really wished that there were credentials for journalists so that people couldn't just call themselves a journalist and that all of these larger mainstream media outlets need to hire card-carrying journalists. It needs to be like of a degree equivalency. Not that you need a PhD in it, but you need to have gone through journalism school. That said, there's lots of room for citizen journalism. I mean... There's a lot of very important news that won't get told without it, but they can't be trusted with things other than breaking facts or eyewitness report. When it comes to analysis or presenting the nightly news and the updates of uh, aggregate sources, there needs to be some sort of control, especially so that people outside of the industry can understand how it works.
0: When I'm presented with a conspiracy um, I, I always ask the person why why do you th-? like okay so let's say just using this person's example they're injecting us with HIV why there it seems that the conspiracy is the end unto itself and so you they want to make the conspiracy first and then walk it back to try to find all the reasons why this is definitely true but when you say why the only thing they can always say is to control us to control us i was like how is giving us hiv controlling us because we all have to take um hiv cocktails now Is that what you've, is that what it is? Like, I'm reading tweets right now about people saying like, look out for Antifa, like Antifa? Like what the fuck are you talking about? Like people don't even know what country we're in. And and I was just like, you know, it was like when the trucker convoy was going on, It's like, like, Trump 2024, Trump? You're not voting for Trump, you idiot. Like, even if you are, like he's not the president of Canada, you dumb fuck. You goddamn troglodyte. Look at the people at, the, at this Rolling Thunder thing right now. They're dressed like a fucking character in an MMO and you hit the randomizer costume creator. And, and and then they just put a flag on. Like I saw some asshole in like a Hawaiian shirt and a flak jacket. Like what is this? Like what are you doing? What are you doing? What is What the, like, and why do you think I'm supposed to take you seriously? What do you think that you're accomplishing here? Trudeau is supposed to come out of Parliament and like you're right guys I quit like (laughs) he's just gonna with a a, little bindle out of Sussex like he's just gonna walk out I was like if you don't like the people in charge vote them out man like that still works
1: no and only months previously we'd voted him back in
0: but these people don't vote because it's all it's all rigged anyways you know what works Honking our horns in front of Parliament. That'll get them out of here. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, we're gonna... I could honestly complain about this all day. What the crazies... If anyone has conspiracies, if anybody... And this is the chief number one reason why I do not believe in fucking conspiracies. Because the population wants it both ways. You want these elaborate... Conspiracies with all these working parts and involving hundreds of people and millions of dollars, and, and it's as far reaching between nations. But yet, you want them to also be incredible bumblers who can't keep the conspiracy quiet. Who can't, like, you think the, the, the Illuminati is like this organization that runs everything, but yet they can't keep their mouth shut so you know about it? Like, do you think that? They're, like, they're injecting us with a virus, and there's not evidence, very obvious evidence, that that is happening. Like, do you, like wh- you think there's lizard people inside the earth, but you think the earth is flat, and that's something that you could keep hidden. And the crazy shows us that there are things that the government tries to do but they're all a bunch of bumblers because they're incompetent, because people are incompetent, and people at high levels of government and security are no less or more incompetent than somebody handling your groceries at a grocery store. You wonder why your bread is squished. It's not because the cashier hates you. It's because they're incompetent and they don't care. And why do you think that changes when you add six figures to someone's salary and put a gun in their hand. Why do you think that changes? It doesn't. It only becomes more pronounced. And that's why I like Crazies, because it's the chaos, the absolute chaos. No one's in charge, everything falls apart, and it's just because they're all a bunch of incredible bumblers. Less so in the remake. The remake definitely shows that, like, spy satellite, eye in the sky, this is all happened before, and it will all happen again mentality. Whereas, I mean, the ones and the crazies are just caught completely flat-footed. But before we get into it, Lids, you had suggested that we we talk a little bit about the t- oh, what have we been watching lately? What have we uh, what have we been? What are we drinking? What are we watching?
1: Yeah. What What are you drinking there, Wes?
0: A big cup of coffee in my favorite Camp Crystal Lake mug. It's good because my big banana bunch of hands. Like, it fits that, and it's a good big cup of coffee, just for me. But, yeah, what have you been watching, Lids, of the horror variety? I don't want to hear about your Paul Bart Mall Cop fascination.
1: Oh, no, no, you won't. One thing that will not... We will never watch this on the show. I think that's what we should call the new segment. We will never review this on the show. (laughs) I watched the Buzzworthy film, The Cellar, just recently, and it was on Shudder. I believe it was a Shudder exclusive, like so much other dreck is. And I don't wanna slam, like Shudder Netflix have some interesting features and exclusives and originals sometimes. By and large, they're not for me. And The seller, unfortunately, is one of those. I love haunted house movies. I love alternate dimension movies. I really like the premise. I like the look. I like Alicia Cuthbert, you know? I think that that was a draw. All of that was a draw for me. The hints of Satanism was a, was a draw for me, of course. And I really was looking forward to seeing what this was all about. And I didn't look at any reviews. And I think that I would have saw mixed reviews for the most part, aside from the Ebert site, which gives him two stars for this full, for this movie i absolutely was so disappointed it was a foolish foolish movie the acting was very wooden by cardboard cutouts the story itself dragged on way too long and it's got it's full of every trope if you want some library scenes it's full of them in an actual library if you want a gramophone that unlocks the entire mystery (laughs) you got you got that you want creepy basements and a creepy old house, that's what it's all about. You want a frantic mother racing around town trying to figure out where her daughter is, you got that too. You know, it's like the poltergeist and the woman in black all smushed into one more modern tale. Which sounds kind of good to me, but it fell flat, unfortunately. So I was pretty disappointed by the cellar and but that was the most recent thing i've watched i've watched lots of really cool stuff lately because we went to pa and did a little track i've actually picked up a movie for us so popcorn yeah. on blu-ray so well. yeah we have watched a lot of really good movies lately but this one stuck out because i watched it just last night and it's one we will never ever do on the show
0: I can't say that i've watched something that we'll never do on the show The most recent thing that I had never seen before was Intruder, and I talked extensively to you privately about my love of Intruder. Uh, It's a full moon picture um, from 1989. It's a slasher. It's got, uh, it's a slasher that takes place overnight at a grocery store. I feel like it's speaking to me in a way that no other film is speaking to me although I do have some thoughts when we cuz uh Lydia is very kind and she said that we could do this movie um I have some thoughts about their uh operation system as a person who has been working overnights at a grocery store for a decade you know I got some opinions on on how they do things at uh, at this particular grocery store uh But uh, I loved it. I absolutely was charmed by it in a way that I have not been charmed by a movie in a very long time. Um, Fans of the show know that I'm a huge uh, fan of slashers. I love that um, subgenre of horror, particularly from the 1980s. You know, cliche, what do you want? I'm, I'm not here to fucking break new ground. I'm just a horror fan, guys. Um... The uh, it was just it was just wonderful. Now things that I've seen more recently, it's just old cloud Like I watched The Last Drive in yesterday, so I watched Nine of the Living Dead before bed. Obviously, great movie, and I I rewatched for the first time in a very long time. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I hadn't seen that in a very long time uh, since I think if you go to splatterpictures.net. I'm pretty sure there is a written review for Killer Clowns. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I know I, when I bought the DVD, I said to myself, Oh, I'll do a review for this. So here's hoping I actually did. And uh, re-watching that movie. Um, and the reason why I did was, uh, I've just noticed over the last five years or so, so much Killer Clowns merch. Funko Pops and t-shirts and glasses and I, it 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 just it's so weird to me the things that people latch on to years later. Like I know that it's a cult classic movie and people like it. But doesn't it seem kind of out of nowhere that it's become this popular with like merch? You couldn't buy a killer clowns from outer space merch when that movie came out? You know what I'm saying? I think I'm more impressed by the production value of it more so than anything because they give you killer clowns immediately you're in their weird big top spaceship immediately and even though you can tell that it was done on the cheap it's still between the fact that it's using actual film stock between the fact that it's using real sets and real special effects and shit the movie looks so good, and I couldn't help but think about if this movie was made now, and they did Killer Clowns from Outer Space, it would be like that Velocipaster movie, or it would be a Sharknado, or Lava Lanchula, or anything like that. It would it would look like they made it for 15 bucks, but because of how movies were back in the 80s. you need, Even the indie low-budget pictures had budgets that are massive compared to what Velocipaster probably cost. And so the whole time I was watching it, I just kept thinking to myself, I can't believe this just looks like a movie. Not like a piece of shit filmed on someone's phone with a guy in an inflatable costume, or really bad CGI it really still works anyway that's my original thoughts on killer clown
1: i have not watched that in a very very long time and i was a teen when i saw it so i i should revisit it just to reinforce that fact that yes it looks way worlds better than *Velocipaster*. <laughs> but yeah i'd have to check that out and we have uh watched other stuff that was actually good you know you give the the budget of something like the cellar to a film that is in the same vein as killer clowns from outer space and you could have a lot of fun but no the two seems to be absolutely separate i'm still waiting for the new terrifier movie to come out which was an extreme very extreme film very scary i loved terrifier so much and i'm still waiting for the second one to come out but it is made on a fraction of the budget of something that to me is a, is a waste of time waste of 97 minutes to watch this horror movie granted we did watch other cool stuff like uh chris finally tracked down a copy of Genocyber, so i've gotten to see one of the goriest animes ever apparently and we're halfway through watching that series so far really enjoying that and we watched evil dead trap which i'd never seen and that's quite a nasty film as well and fun but the budget of course is nothing like some of these bigger name exclusives that are being put out that don't hold a candle to killer clowns from outer space or even intruder
0: yeah I I honestly there's been some shutter originals and I'm and I'm trying to, I know I watched caveat I did not care for it I watched something else not the wind I watched something else that was taking place on like the 18 somethings uh and I was very excited to watch it. Um, did not fucking care for that. I watched uh, a couple of Wendigo movies that they put on Shutter, and I was just like, God, why... Can somebody with more than $5 make a fucking Wendigo movie? Can somebody, like, actually do this where it doesn't just look like a bunch of idiots in, like, trash bags with, like, CGI glowing eyes? Like, I'm just... It's driving me nuts. Like, same thing with like Bigfoot. Like, there's two different like Bigfoot movies that are going on on Shutter right now, and both of them are fucking unwatchable. Like, fucking unwatchable. So I was just like, man, I don't know, man. I don't know. I like cryptids, and I just want somebody to do a cryptid movie where I'm impressed.
1: There was I'm doing some research right now, Bigfoot wise, and there was some sort of Bigfoot movie that was apparently very good and when chris can't remember the title of it so we've been sort of like side-eyeing a whole bunch of bigfoot movies to see if that might be the one and it seems to be so far we ha- can't pin down what it was but uh, he has like almost a litmus test for werewolf movies where if he sees what the werewolf looks like and it doesn't pass the the litmus test it he doesn't bother watching it even though he loves werewolf movies uh, A wendigo movie could be somewhat ruined have you seen antlers it's a great Windigo movie, and I'm maybe spoiling it a little to say. Uh, I, I have not
0: watched Antlers. That's on Shudder as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: It's very good. It is very good. Uh, it is a little bit of a slow burn, but it certainly is not men with CGIs in trash bags. I just,
0: uh, I, you know what? I'll give Antlers a, sh- a fair shake. I know uh, Cass really likes Windigo, uh, Windigo stuff, so. Yeah, I'm what you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for Until Dawn. That's I'm looking for something a cool story like that. Looks good, gory. They always I, I feel like there's this weird trend with Wendigo movies to make the actual Wendigo some sort of like mystic god in the background and then they just have like a bunch of like chubby little ghouls scampering around. And I, maybe I just I don't know. It's not cool to me. It's like they confuse
1: the Wendigo with the Gitchi Manitou. <laughs> Entirely, <laughs> I don't.
0: I don't know. Like, I, I, think it comes down to budgetary concerns, and, and I, I, I just feel if, if, just you had fifteen minutes more of discipline in your script writing, and, and said, okay, how are we gonna fucking do this in a compelling way? They have the, they have the bones, they have the spinal column of, of a fascinating idea and very unique creature and they they're blowing it over it over and over again because they they come out with i want to do a wendigo movie and bang out a script that doesn't make any fucking sense and it's just anyway so yeah that's all that that i've been uh complaining about with shutter but then shutter does release some cool stuff like intruder i never would have seen it i'd seen the poster around but never would have seen it if not for shutter so you know worth my six bucks that month
1: I watched it back in the Ottawa horror days, but uh, speaking of men in trash bags and low budgets, I think they only spent about $200,000 making The Crazies, the original one. I don't know what they spent on the remake, but I think it kind of suffers from that, is that they had this really good idea handed to them and a huge budget and sort of dropped the ball in some ways with that particular Did film. you
0: watch The Crazies as a youth or... little bit older or did you see the remake first which was it
1: when the remake was coming out i was very taken by the one sheet because it mistakenly to me had a hillbilly horror Mm -hmm. vibe because it has this huge bloody bloody pitchfork and the trailer too i like the idea of someone stalking through that dark room full of gurneys of people who are seemingly obviously if infected with something and he's killing them one by one that was part of the teaser trailer that i really enjoyed so i'm like pitchforks pitchfork death that's very me so i thought well i'll watch the original and i watched it and i was very confused (laughs) as you could imagine because i'm like how is this farmland pitchfork farmer walking around killing people related in any way to this government conspiracy of the Trixie virus like how how are these related so I did watch it when I was older uh, about 2010 is when I watched it I might have seen it way back in the day my parents watched a lot of these sorts of films and it might have been on in the background because years and years and years before there was a Megadeth poster that had men in white suits with giant vats of radioactive waste And they might have had flamethrowers and all sorts of stuff. It sounds like a
0: Megadeth poster. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And it was one of the cooler Megadeth posters. And it struck me at that time that it had been from a movie I'd seen. That it reminded me of a movie I'd seen. Outside of the men in white in E.T., the only other movie that really comes to mind with rubble rubble men in white suits... Controlling the populace is the crazies.
0: I had uh, encountered this film later in life too, like this was when I was going back and watching more flicks, just because um, this seems important. I, I I was very interested in watching films that were either from very uh, influential directors and trying to watch as much of their work as I possibly could. Um, or or things that if not from a particular auteur director in horror then at least films that at some point really represented um what the the genre like the, what was considered the best of the genre or at least uh, good examples in the genre because i never wanted to be caught flat-footed in a horror conversation it was very self-conscious about what i knew and what i didn't know i've gotten better at that as i've gotten older but um I was terrible at it in my uh, early to mid 20s where I I just wanted to like watch all these movies so no one can say that I hadn't seen them if that makes sense and so I watched it then and it kind of came and went like I, I, I liked it but I just liked Romero's zombie films so much more and I remember I had seen rabid beforehand and I remember really liking Rabbit. It was so funny, it was like when I grew up um, and I started liking Rabbit less because you pointed out to me how ridiculous the main character is. And I was like, oh fuck, you're right. You're absolutely right. We did it for the show and I was like, Jesus Christ, I had no idea. But uh, yeah, so that's when I encountered this film. And I remember reading a book called Dark Directions by Kendall Phillips and he breaks down a lot of Romero's pictures about what they mean, how they represent him as a creative uh, force. And so I've I've read very in-depth breakdowns of this film. I don't agree with everything that Philip says about the film because I, I know that the, the point of the book is to like hyper-analyze it, but honestly watching the film now Uh, if I could do what I think this film is about anyways Lydia is the crazies is what happens when a bunch of lunatics are running the asylum it's all it is Romero often comes off as anti-authority he's very distraught like having just watched night of the living dead You know, obviously, that's a very anti-authoritative movie, more so than I know that people like to hang a lot of racism connotations in it just because of the fact that, you know, spoilers, Ben dies at the end. But um, to me, the, the bigger picture about that film was always the fact that everyone listening to the TV was doing the wrong thing. You weren't supposed to just blindly listen to authorities it seemed more of a criticism of that if at all anything at the end of the day i kind of feel like it's probably mostly a movie about zombies eating people that seems to be what they're doing but you know years add interpretation onto it this seems to be about the ineptitude of the government how there's all these systems in place but they're slowed down by incompetence and bureaucracy and i think That those messages come off incredibly strong in the original about the breakdown of society is one bad day away, and it happens uh, quickly because of the Trixie virus, and that happened because of a bunch of bumbling government people, and then the cure is lost because of incompetence and because of paranoia and anger and stress and the fact that people are people and they make mistakes. And uh, the remake, not so much. The remake, uh, I have thoughts on the remake, but uh, yeah, that's what The Craziest is about.
1: That is, I believe you are correct. I definitely agree that the original Night of the Living Dead is just a zombie movie. Yes. <laughs> no, I totally agree that this is a study on how bureaucracy definitely slows down any decision making and it seems most of the people who subvert their control in these situations or can fly under the radar are the ones who are doing the the right thing but then there's always that civic-minded federal employee part of my brain that is like just follow orders just just follow orders why why do you got to be like this why do you gotta Try and bust out of this place or that place. In the remake, it becomes a little more apparent why you shouldn't, because you're going to end up in basically a Nuremberg-style pit of dead people. The first one has a lot more intensity to the government control, where it is something worth being scared of. And I'm not as scared of the government control and the army rolling in, as oddly as they do in the remake, as i am with the first one because it is a lightning fast response and we get to follow more closely and i think that this is the bigger virtue of the of the original is that we do follow the government official more closely we're with him as a main character Mm -hmm. where he's just not this borg style army that swoops in and sweeps the area slowly corralling individuals where they come in in men in white and rabble, rabble, rabble. We don't need to understand. We're just gonna slap gas masks on everybody and test people for this virus with UV lights, which was like probably very unsettling at the time because I mean, we I can buy a UV light flashlight and use it to detect cat pee. But at the time that wasn't something as readily available. So it's kind of high tech cutting edge technology that they're dragging in quite suddenly taking over doctors offices taking over the school and and quite forcibly taking over people who seem to be even extra crazy because there's a lot more intensity to the craziness in the original film and i I like that both of them they do follow the same sort of trajectory and we do have some mirrored scenes whereas in the beginning of the crazies we start out with a quite harrowing scene at the farmhouse now if that was the whole movie i would enjoy it just as much did you find that there was a tonal shift that was, that maybe displaced you. I find it a sleepy movie after that scene for quite some time. It gets too sleepy for me. Do you find that the pace works for you?
0: I think that I tend to agree with you about the pacing. There are some pacing issues. I think that where the original fails is clearly budgetary reasons. You can't show a lot of destruction or or towns going up or people getting killed because that's expensive. But what's less expensive is having a bunch of people arguing in rooms and suits. Uh, That's less expensive to do stuff like that. So it kind of contributes more to that indie vibe. And the fact that they're bouncing between several characters at once. There's characters that we are with that will never interact with the characters that are in charge because we know from the government officials that we're spending a lot of time with we have all the exposition that we need when it comes to our quote-unquote human characters our regular joes who are running around we're more treated to their personal struggle about what it's like for them on that side in the midst of this chaos uh these things do interact you are dealing with diverging plots that never really converge they start off, I mean um, the woman uh, is it Judy is her name? she is she is our last point of contact. She is rushed out of there because she is a with child and the doctor decides to give her uh, two antidotes, one for her and one for her uh, boyfriend or fiance or whomever, and shuffles her out the door and that's really fucking it. that then that, that our two characters will never really, Converge what we are treated to, uh, then is that the human characters of the regular Joes are constantly just fighting with the army of a faceless gas mask wearing troop of thugs who are robbing people, killing people indiscriminately. Um, just uh, well, I mean, we're seeing footage of that in real life right now, too, so it's just it's uh it's just so interesting that Romero really on the way you could feel like oh he's a real futurist he could really understand how things are but what the sad uh sobering thought is this is just what it was this is what it was in Vietnam this is what it was when this film was being made and this is this is just the reality this is the reality of the government as Romero saw it not too different the remake is. A lot different in the sense that it strips away any characterization of any government agency. The best that you might have is a, you have some kind of field marshal or something like that that gets a couple of lines of dialogue. Everybody just gets a couple of lines of dialogue. There's a soldier, and you realize, see, the soldiers aren't so bad. There's one uh, good one who's going to find his humanity, and I suppose that's supposed to be enough for them. Um, But I, I, I find it very... In modern times, we need our villains to be more villainous. We need things to be more black and white and cut and dry. Even in 2010, they needed the government to be this spy network, essentially. This autonomous entity, all-seeing alien eye. And the their plans and what's going on are going to be learned in fits and starts by the regular Joes. Because they're going to indiscriminately kill people in that film. They are going to be an overtly evil entity. And I think that it becomes a little bit... I just couldn't get over how much time we were spending with the victims in this film. And it was just... Even the people that they were primarily fighting were just infected... And it became a bit like i was watching uh someone play a resident evil game like i kept feeling like i was going through a series of boss fights in that oh here we are now we're going to fight the, mort- uh, the mortician and here we are in the restaurant we're going to fight this person and and here we are in the farmhouse we're going to fight these two people and and they all have their special these people are crazy but they have guns this one's crazy but they've got a pitchfork this one has got a bone saw these are the three hunters and you have to fight them in a truck stop and you gotta like split them up and beat them individually and I, I felt so much like um did you ever play uh, like Resident Evil 7 the, the like I-, I really felt like okay we're fighting the bug lady and we're fighting the big zombie guy like we like that I really felt like that's what we were doing as opposed to really saying anything that the original was saying and i kept thinking as i was watching the remake this is not a it's it's kind of a knock but it's a very mild knock i just kept feeling as though the people who remade the crazies didn't get the message of the film at all they just crazy people getting nuts and killing each other that's what they took away from that film and it was the government's fault and, and they, they they distilled it down to its bare essentials and they offered no subtlety or interpretation. Again, your mileage may vary. Maybe, that, maybe you don't give a shit. Maybe you're like, yeah, the government is evil and this all makes sense, Wes, you fucking corporate stooge. I'm like, all right, you got me.
1: No, no, I do agree. And uh, George Romero did sit on a production role yes. in the remake. So there was some oversight to a certain extent unless he was just a, an armchair producer you know backing it with bucks or if he was actually actively involved I, I don't know because I'm not I don't follow every, every move that the man had made uh, unfortunately I did get to see him in 2016 mm. which was just a treat I really did enjoy he was very tall that's the thing that struck me the most is how tall he really was but yeah uh, I think That you're very right in that the the bigger takeaway was just well we'll just plug the army in what kind of army well we've forgotten how scary the army can be especially uh, in comparison to the way that the U.S. army was acting overseas during the Vietnam war and acts in other wartime scenarios especially when they didn't have the eye of the public and the there wasn't a 24-hour news cycle so these things wouldn't get back to People at home to know how their soldiers were acting. Where they're a little more in a public eye now, where they do have a lot more oversight, and following orders isn't an excuse for a lot of things now. Where back then, when they say in the original crazies they're following orders, that you get it and you're just like, yeah. So were the so were the Nazis. That's what you we get it. You have to follow orders. Where here. In the 2010 version when they say they're just following orders it doesn't it does not hold water anymore because there are humanitarian concerns and there are taxpayer concerns and there are uh, global ethical concerns that you know trump your orders quote unquote and so we don't swallow that so they could have played with that but no they have this faceless army that moves stealthily so when they're saying how did a plane go down and nobody noticed because they play up this whole plane thing quite a lot in the remake where it's not even like it's mentioned but we don't see the plane in the original so like they have this weird stealthy government that doesn't really talk that operates like the borg and that is 100 percent post cold war era army And the the scenes that really freak me out about it is the one where the husband and wife are in their farmhouse. She hears a sound. He goes out to investigate, walks out to the barn. And then all of a sudden they're swarmed by buses and APCs. And there's basically a tank in their front yard. And hundreds of army men, a whole army is in their front yard. He would have had to walk past them to get to the barn, dude. So it's just like totally incongruent. And so they're wondering how an army plane could have crashed. Well, this is super stealth army. That's why. They're probably holograms, for crying (laughs) out loud. So in their facelessness, they're not scary anymore. Where in the original, they are equally faceless because they're wearing these big white containment suits. But it seems to amp up the threat level. They're not just regular reservists that we're very used to seeing in commercials on television or may have family members that wear tactical garb that you can buy yourself. This was something all very alien to us in 1973.
0: The thing that I found very disturbing was when you sat there in on the thought process of these government agents because there is a Discussion that occurs in the original one where they're saying we might need to nuke this town to keep this virus from spreading. And they discussed that the lesser of two evils was that you just say that there was a nuke on board that plane, the plane crashed, the weapon system was compromised, and it blew up accidentally and so this y- low yield nuke destroys this town and the thought process is essentially that's going to make us look really bad but not as bad as this experimental bioweapon that we let get out that could now spread to the entire US population so they'll just they'll take the oopsie whoopsie low yield nuke went off killed an entire town over the bigger threat and to me it's a very chilling conversation whereas i suppose the fear of the government in the 2010 version it's supposed to be how anonymous and how you don't know anything and again it it's this big brother mentality where everything is so locked down and controlled and you're just a stupid slave living out your life man and you'll never understand man the spiraling of uh, the spy satellites man watching your every move man selling you tube socks and paper towels man I didn't want that Um, you know all I wanted is a Pepsi the that sort of fucking mentality but who owns Pepsi like that is that is what um they're going for and i don't know like it works and it certainly works for the era in which the film came out but i just like the subtle discussion more when it wasn't just this guy is your enemy because they work for the government what if this person isn't your enemy they want to do right by you but there but it's the government the faceless system itself that is working against the people who work within that system that is against you that is very compelling and in a lot of way more hopeless whereas the government agency in the remake just seems like we're evil Myeh. like we just fucking hate you and we're going to take you all to a gas station and shoot you we're going to tell you that we're going to take you out of here and we're just going to shoot you
1: I think it's that lack of understanding, again, that going back to our previous conversation about journalism and how people don't seem to understand how journalism works, people don't seem to understand anymore how the government works, especially in 2010, when we weren't treated to how the reaction to the SARS virus was, or in present time, over the past two and a half years, how we are now very used to how the government and the military treat the COVID virus. We, we have an idea of how that works now so that a film like Contagion actually is more accurate and makes more sense because we had lived through SARS at the time and other virus movies that are yet to be released I'm sure will be more accurate as far as how the government reacts to these things and what the involvement is with them and the populace where in 1973 we had a much better idea the government worked because there were more involvement there was more rallies there were more better communication even though it was a slower communication there was a more targeted understanding people were taught in schools how the government works where in 2010 we're losing quite a bit of that and there isn't really an understanding of how these decisions get made possibly due to and i blame a lot of stuff on the cold war where there was a a real communications shield thrown up, not only to keep things from enemy hands, but whoever anyone could be the enemy during the Cold War. Right. So I think that there was a real loss in understanding of how the government behaves. And we hadn't had any large scale attacks or terrorism or uh, certainly not a pandemic on the scale of, say, COVID or the Spanish flu for a very long time so we didn't have that in our cultural memory of how the government would behave so there's very difference in the government has come in and taken over the doctor's office a very different way that happens in the 1973 film where it's kind of believable (laughs) it's very believable a little heavy-handed and a little sexist but it's believable where we don't even see that in 2010 because we're just supposed to imagine that that Mm -hmm. happened that they're just rounding everybody up. They're not using the, the doctor's office. They have one on wheels. You know, we're, we're just imagining this and taking a lot of the, the public knowledge, however inaccurate, of how the army operates for granted. So it, it's just, but it just doesn't work.
0: I want to talk a little bit about David and Clank. These two characters are Vietnam veterans. And it seems to be flirting. I don't know what you think about it. It seems to be flirting a lot with the idea. Now we would call it PTSD, but back then they would have well, shell shock. Would that have been the term? Yeah, yeah. They use Clank, seems to be a person who is fairly well adjusted, but somewhat early on into the thing you can't quite tell if it's the virus itself or if it's the fact that he probably does have ptsd from his time in vietnam the things that he had done and also the fact that you know he had never really him and david had served together but david was a far more efficient and successful soldier than he was so there's like some resentment there too but it seemed to be like Romero was talking a lot about what would have been known as shell shock at the time. Do you get that sense? Or do you think that it's really just supposed to be Clank becoming sick from the virus?
1: No, I definitely do. And even though post-traumatic stress isn't necessarily something mentioned in the remake, there is that sort of uh, power distance between uh, chief and deputy. And in this case, they are firefighters very very different world but still has a rank of hierarchy and even just socially there is a hierarchical difference between David and Clank where uh Clank is single and a womanizer and a little bit of a sleaze yeah if you ask me uh and David is uh going to be married probably and is going to be a father soon and has his shit together so to speak Mm -hmm. so there, There is just a social hierarchy there that Clank would be grappling with, let alone whatever demons he's grappling with, because perhaps not having so much responsibility in the army left him time to do or see some more atrocities than his counterpart David had. So maybe he even has more to grapple with. I'm, I'm no expert, but I believe that it does have something to say about post-traumatic stress and the fact that they've come back to be firefighters and clank isn't even that good at that either in a way it seems to me still a bit of a fuck up there too and that is perhaps a symptom of what he's dealing with and i I really do think that it is a statement on that and and that sort of craziness and how that sort of craziness though is still fully functional really honestly because he's still on the side of what we would consider the good guys at that time? Uh,
0: certainly. Um, Lynn Lowry's in this film. Uh, we had first seen her in I Drink Your Blood, uh, a, a role that she had gotten because the director of that film was so enamored with her he didn't even have a part for her, which is why in I Drink Your Blood she sort of mysteriously leaves and never has any dialogue. But this is her as a fully functioning character and this goes into a very dark place between her and her father I'm very curious about nothing like this is even hinted at in the remake um Daniel Pennebaker is I supposed to be the 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 Lynn Lowry character in the um, in the the remake she dies sort of unceremoniously but um, It was always nice to see her in another horror movie. People might know her from Friday the 13th remake and shit. But um, Lynn Lowry's character is tagging along with her father. She is the first very obvious uh, person suffering from the Trixie virus within this little band of characters as they tried to maneuver their way out of the town to get away from the soldiers. And... um, she ends up having sex with her dad, like it's um super uh, weird. And I had forgotten that this it's I'd forgotten that this scene was in the film um, because I think I was the 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 in terms of the crazies, the one I had seen the most recently was the remake, and that ain't in that fucking movie at all. <laughs> they don't uh, they don't hint on that that aspect of societal breakdown. Like when you're like, the the Trixie virus essentially makes people lose all inhibition and do whatever they want and sexual assault is not part of that. Sleeping with your daughter isn't part of that and they lead up to it in a really creepy way because you know, the father talks about how you know, she looks so much like his wife and you know, this is all she has now, this is his whole world and he starts like chewing on her head and and then you're like, ooh. And then it does go there up to the point in, in showing that her, her dad takes her virginity. And, like what, like, what do you think about this really dark place that this film goes to in 1973 and in 2010 version? It's inarguably a more violent and more serious movie, but this aspect is not part of it. What's that saying? Yeah, they had
1: to, like, replace that sort of real breakdown of society atrocity with the hunters that are collecting bodies. For what reason? Probably cannibalism. We could just guess. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, For all sorts of fun stuff. But they don't say what. They don't say why. For sport. Mm -hmm. Is what we're we're left with as proof. The only proof we have is what the hunters are doing with these bodies is for sport. They're collecting them. Um, But that's, like, the closest we get to something like this, which is quite dark yes i totally agreed and it is does speak to like what do we do as humans we eat we mate we eat we eat we mate that's really it you know we eat and we mate and we sleep in between like those are the the things we do and those are our drives those are our only real drives Mm -hmm. uh there's one definitely missing within the remake there you know because it isn't really alluded to at all in any way shape or form except having one pregnant woman but in this one george romero needs to because it wouldn't be realistic if it didn't have that sort of aspect and if we want to take it to something insane like crossed where i don't even think eating comes into the equation it's kill and mate and that's what the cross to do and it's sort of like a fledgling version of that where if left unfettered that's where this world would go he could be banging you know dead pegs and it would work in the mind of the crazy in the 1973 the crazies so i think it's it's necessary I think that it's necessary and having the the choices that the men and women in this very small group have i think that that would be the logical one to choose i don't know how much of this was in the original script or if this is george romero thinking let's amp this up a little bit or if that was how it was originally written and that would have been as a director it would have been what would have caught my eye in this script, I would have been like, "Hell yeah, I want to make this movie that that leads up to this and the subsequent suicide because it is just so depraved. What is the most depraved thing you can think of? And it still is, but perhaps we're afraid to talk about that sort of depravity. We'll see when the sadness comes out because I haven't seen the sadness yet, which I, from what I understand, is a very sick and very gory very violent we'll see if it goes to that particular sort of depravity not only sexual assault but incestuous sexual assault which is just like
0: out of this world depraved right there's something that i wonder about why the crazies in the remake get distilled down to violent impulses it makes you violent in a sense it becomes a little bit like the purge the purge concept is Everything is legal for 24 hours or however many hours it is. I can't remember. And, but yet the only crime you ever see anyone committing, there's lots of crimes. Murder isn't the only crime that exists. And yet the Purge movies never go there. They never go to other forms of violence against people. And I'm not saying, and, and you know, if anybody listening is like, well, what was the matter, Wes? You fucking want to see that? No, I don't. What I'm saying is, is it's a weird concept to say anything goes, and the thing that happens all the time in our world doesn't happen. And it, I mean, the, the short story, the short answer is, it's because the people writing and directing the film don't want that aspect included. That's really all it is to it. But it does seem less realistic to me, and I I just find it very curious that in a weird way. If somebody, and maybe it's because I'm just desensitized to good old-fashioned gory violence, but I frankly think that the 1973 version is a darker film because of that aspect in it. It's a darker, more serious. Even though there's goofy-ass scenes with like people sweeping fields, and and the the Trixie virus in the original seems to more make you drunk. It seems to be a complete lack of. Uh, inhibition as opposed to i'm violent now now if you're not inhibited by anything if something were to piss you off or you felt like you needed to kill for survival you would have no problem doing that but the Trixie virus in the remake seems explicitly to just hit that it's like a rage virus that's really all it becomes and so it loses its uniqueness in that sense but like the purge that everyone just becomes angry and violent why is that the only thing that you're ever showing? Is, it, is, is the message over and over again that we're just like a deeply angry and violent species? Or is it just because the violence puts asses in the seats? They just want to see somebody get stabbed through the neck with a splinter in their hand. Is that, is that what it is?
1: No, if we want to see that, the original would be enough because we get some knitting needles in people's eyes and stuff like that. Where it isn't as targeted, this rage and this depravity and the lowering of inhibitions where in the remake it seems to be like a revenge virus too because they're very targeted yes revenge attacks they're not just random craziness so they could call it the revengers instead of the crazies where (laughs) it's not as believable in the original it is far more believable with the addition of the incestuous assault scene and i think a lot of the time with art they're talking about things that people aren't talking about so uh, rape sexual assault whatever you want to call it incestuous assault um, domestic violence those things weren't being talked about as they are today so art needed to talk about them definitely because we couldn't sit here in a society with rose colored glasses on saying that these sorts of things don't ever happen because there's going to be somebody sitting in that audience in 1973 that is going to be having their own post-traumatic stress moment mm-hmm. during that. Because no one's ever talked about it, it's that much more important for somebody to know that they're they're not alone. Even though it is an fictional post a fictional pre apocalypse mm-hmm. in this story. Where now we have a lot of tools in place and a lot of professional outlets where you can reach out for information and there's a lot of that information that is treated with its own now rose-colored glasses in a lot of the art that we watch, if it is portrayed at all, because so many people, yeah, don't want that as a a director, writer, actor, whatever. They They don't want to portray that in their art because there is an avenue for that in society for people where at the time in 1973, there was not as much. There were women's groups and shelters but not the way that they are today. And they were not, they were sorely underfunded. And a lot of the times they were secret. Mm -hmm. I can see why there was a place where that is absolutely necessary and needed in art, where here now, if you wanted to make that sort of statement, you would be pushing an envelope, whether you felt that you were or not, whether you felt it was necessary or not, you're pushing an envelope with certain groups, definitely. And you're going to be alienating viewers definitely i don't know how to articulate how much more important it is to have had this in 1973 and i feel that the remake is lacking in intensity in many ways and perhaps this is one because a bunch of hunters collecting bodies is just isn't as shocking on the same level
0: it really isn't and i think that that speaks volumes to the fact that we are extremely desensitized to lots of forms of violence, but uh, sexual violence, no. I, 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 that still hits me when people say, what what movies, what types of movies do you have a hard time sitting through? It's all movies that include that kind of stuff. It makes me uncomfortable. Meanwhile, I can watch the newest Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie where I'm fairly certain I saw 30 to 40 people killed within fucking three minutes in one of the single most violent things I have ever watched in my entire life. And I thought it was great. I was like, this is fucking rad. I'm fucking throwing the horns up. I'm laughing. I'm enjoying it. I want more. I wouldn't care if it was 90 minutes of just this. Like, just keep the fucking blood and gore and guts coming but like, you know, somebody does something like that, uh, an assault in a movie like that, I I'm like, okay. Well, I'm glad that's over with. Let's get back to the to the movie. It's it's you know, uh, it, it could be hard to sit through for me. And and for some people no, and for some people that's a that's a deal breaker. Like that that means click the movie is off. Mm-hmm. And and that's fair. They're you know, like, why like you don't need to subject yourself to that if you don't want to. I just found it interesting that it was removed because when we watch the Hills Have Eyes remake, the assault aspect is you could leave that open to interpretation with Craven's original. You're like, I don't know, like there's no real indication that that's what happened. You're just supposed to like assume that's what happened, I suppose. And a lot of people do, but in the remake, it's very explicit. That is absolutely what happens. But very much like the Hills Have Eyes remake, It's distilled down into, like, you don't need to worry about who these Hill people are. Who cares? They're crazy mutants, man, and they're violent, man, and, like, that's all you really need to know. And so we don't spend any time with those characters in the remake. That's very, I'm sorry, I just, that's just blowing my mind. I just thought about that. It was, like, in the same way that the remake of The Crazies, like, just says, they're the bad guys, don't worry about it. Um, They're like that with the Hills Have Eyes remake, too. It's like, they're the bad guys, don't worry about it you don't need to know who jupiter is he's just the dirty guy in the trench coat don't worry about it interesting
1: we're also seeing a shift when it comes to talking about true crime to more victim focused true crime where oh and learning about the victim unfortunately isn't going to teach me anything to stay alive it's a great sentimentality and it's important to know about the victims and it's important to study victimology but it doesn't help us understand the root causes of craziness and insanity and murder and these deplorable human beings that stalk us as prey. Uh, when we focus on the killers, then we do learn things. There definitely is a sea change in our focus and especially as consumers of this as entertainment, what it is that people want to focus on and what they find uh, is is, glorifying or exploitative when it comes to the killer or the perpetrator so i think that that might have been what is being reflected even 10 years ago in filmmaking perhaps like we want to focus on the victims here entirely because that's where our story is that's where our humanity is and from a storytelling perspective sure i'm that those sorts of stories don't speak to me i want to know about the dark side I want to know about the killer I want to know I want to learn from their actions yeah. as the enemy right because mm-hmm. studying the the survivor the victim the, the group that I identify with doesn't help me it doesn't serve any purpose for me unfortunately and it could be a, a case of the director himself because he was a younger director he had uh, only a couple movies under his belt and nothing uh as 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 depraved as like the hills have eyes Um, that's a whole different director coming at it from more of a French extreme sensibility so they're definitely going to include something that is that they can uh, exploit in that it is a conversation on these things that people don't talk about often enough and the severity of that sort of violence against men and women specifically that they wanted to explore. It depends on what you want to explore, and I can see a younger filmmaker in North America not wanting to explore that.
0: Uh, yeah, I could see that too. I, I just, I, I suppose I miss, I miss the more of the counterculture thought process and younger directors and writers where they wanted to go there i want to make you uncomfortable i'm going to give you something uncomfortable and make you look at it and make you think about it because this society of like don't look at it don't think about it doesn't work for me and and uh you know i i mean when it comes to like victimology and stuff like some of the true crime podcasts that i listen to i have to stop because i'm like listen i can't I know that this person had a smile that could light up the room and they would give you the shirt off their back and and the the same 10 things they say about every poor victim uh, of murder. But I'm just like, this isn't helpful. This isn't useful information. If your message to me is it could happen to anybody, even nice people get murdered, that's not helpful. Come on. Like,
1: Like... no, it's not. And I've watched recently the John Wayne Gacy tapes that is now airing on Netflix and I I really think they should take their focus away from trying to make creepy uh, Blumhausian horror movies and uh, pour more into true crime because they do get a really good balance. Whoever I forget the name of the uh, director um, that is doing a lot of those, but they get it right because there is a balance between focus on the victim and the murderer. And they're not they're not glorifying as crimes for the sake of shock and horror type value. Mm-hmm. They're systematically noting what they did. They're not leaving things out. And they're, they're portraying the killer as depraved as they really are. And they're not blaming things in their life that would have caused them to be like this. They're accepting that it's largely unknown or unexplained why these people act on the impulses that they do. And they're not ignoring the victims but they're also not making it 100 percent about the victims either so they have a really good balance if there's one thing that netflix is doing right it is uh these true crime things but yeah i highly recommend that john wayne gacy tapes it just dropped because mm-hmm. they do a very good job of that sort of balance i
0: believe i've seen the uh i've seen the uh trailer for it, it looks good yeah i was gonna check it out i just keep forgetting that it's there because there's just so much uh, choice. There's a scene that I absolutely love in The Crazies, um, 1973, and it's when Clank gets left behind when he realizes that you know it's it's up to him to kind of hold back the soldiers as Judy and David escape. The assault has happened. Uh, Lynn Lowry's dad kills himself. I suppose in a weird way they're like. Don't worry, he realizes the horrible thing he did and he's going to kill himself because he's so guilt-ridden. And then sadly, Lynn Lowry just sort of like bobbles off down into a field and like just gets shot amongst the sheep. Uh, a lost lamb in the truest sense of the word. Uh, Clank is is left to like, shoot all these guys and he's doing a really good job. Like he's really killing all these dudes. And then it really kind of reminded me of like, this is what it must have been like in the old days to fight redcoats because uh, there's all these people running around in the forest with, like, a very obvious uh, uniform on, and these guys are wearing bright ru- uh, white, so they just stand out like nobody's business. It'd be hard in the wintertime, but, you know, it's it's uh, all green around them now. Um, their Clank eventually will be shot in the head, and that shot to the head is super fucking graphic. And every time I've seen it, I I sort of stop and blink and say oh my god it's kind of like the head explosion in uh prowler just very very gory and it looks authentic
1: it's interesting to me that romero had never served in the army that he wasn't on the ground in vietnam i'm sure a lot of his help and cronies and cameramen and stuff like that were because the u.s was under conscription wasn't were they for vietnam was it the same as uh, it was, yeah. other us? It was, yeah. Yeah, everyone was drafted, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I, I'm surprised that he didn't. Perhaps it was his glasses wearing that got him out of <laughs> service. Perhaps, but, or his age, I'm not even sure how old he would have been exactly during the Vietnam War, but I'm um, sure it was pervasive and surrounded him, much like Tom Savini who mm. drew on his time as a medic, that informed what actual gore really honestly looked like or anyone that works in any trauma scenario that can bring that to an artistic point of view and utilize that i'm surprised that romero hadn't actually seen that perhaps he I don't, like as far as i know he was just a filmmaker he watched films and made films i don't know what he did for side jobs but if he was a paramedic at one time it might have made some sense or if he did a ride along with police on a particularly uh violent night in the bronx i don't know what he had seen as far as people getting shot in the head but um yeah it seems to be something that he relies on here and there
0: the uh when that headshot happened i had wondered i was like did savini fucking work on this because it looked like something that he would have done uh he didn't i don't think work on the crazies but um i don't think so because i think the first time romero worked with savini was uh 78 Nonetheless, this whole thing was shot in and around Pennsylvania as well. So, again, Romero early in his career, um, doing uh, doing what he can to uh, just sort of film as uh, cheaply and quickly as humanly possible. Uh, it definitely looked a lot better. Like he clearly had a lot more money to work with when making The Crazies as opposed to you know Night of the Living Dead or. Even certain other films, like, did you ever end up did watching his lost film, um, The Amusement Park, or, or whatever like that? Not yet. Very artsy, very um, low budget. Um, if you don't like amusement parks, like I don't really like amusement parks, it's very uncomfortable. The whole time I'm watching this movie, and it's very short, it's less than an hour long, I just kept thinking, I was like, man, I really just want to go home. This movie is making me just want to go home, even though I'm sitting in my home um, but it's interesting because it's very... Romero uh, has this philosophy, I feel like, in his films, where if you're trying to make a point, don't make it subtly. Make it very obvious that this is what you're talking about. Now, in Night of the Living Dead, they were just making a, a zombie film, or ghouls, or, or ripping off um, I Am Legend. Or, uh, you know, that's what they were interested in doing. And then later on, they tacked on, you know, we were talking about racism a little bit as opposed to just you know, the right guy for the job got hired. When The crazies is a very obvious statement that Romero is trying to make. And when he wants soldiers to look look like dirtbags he is going to make them look cartoonishly like dirtbags, divvying up wallets and jewelry and they're going to watch them laughing and cackling as they indiscriminately shoot people and they're going to when he wants people to act like you're crazy, he's going to get people just floating around and being as as ridiculous. And there's, there's no other way to say it than... I don't think Romero in his entire career ever gave the direction, act naturally. I don't think... Because there's a weird, elevated, cartoonish way that all the dialogue is delivered in every Romero film kill scenes action sequences whatever it becomes satire and it's very obviously satire and i'm not saying that that's not enjoyable so anyone who's like a huge romero fan like you know please you know you can correct me if i'm wrong but that's just my take on watching you know quite a few of his films at this point there's very few romero films that i've not seen at this point that's just always my take and in some of the the more larger chaotic scenes when it was just showing soldiers interacting with people uh and shooting them and hurting them and especially in the school i I just kept thinking it's like if you didn't tell me that this was a romero picture i definitely would ask as like did romero do this because it seems like it the there's a scientist that they get from who is working at a school the entire time, and he's very much angry at the bureaucracy. He's very much angry that he was asked to come there. All of his research, all of his equipment, all of it, like, his lab is back at this base, and they've made him with almost no warning, no food, no nothing. Like, you got to pack your shit. We're leaving now, and the soldiers are very, like, we'll have everything you need there. And then, of course, they don't, and he's protesting it, and he's dealing with, like, MP officers and um i I love those sequences because he's so boorish and angry and just has such a big presence and a big voice and that big beard and and he's so distasteful of this system that he's locked himself into Uh, it's a great character and um romero seems to give him the most bitter sweet or like or like ironic situation in which he finds a cure for the Trixie virus, or at the very least, a breakthrough in the what's gonna crack this whole thing wide open. And because he's not wearing his badge, because he's not wearing anything, soldiers at this school that you think should know him, but they don't know him from Adam, just think he's one of the crazies. And they and they're trying to shuffle him into this school, and he ends up going down a flight of stairs it's hilarious and sad it is
1: hilarious and it's so frustrating and i think it mirrors even better and that's like seeing that understanding of how government agencies work and how there are people that want to do different or write things or new things or have actually solved problems that are shuffled along with the herd because they don't have the right outfit or the appropriate amount of colored bars on their sleeve or are just in the wrong place at the wrong time and it is so very frustrating and quite realistic and amps up the point that you'd made about these people are just bumbling they don't have decision making skills yes they're following orders but they're orders made by bumbling fools that are executed by bumbling fools and it just really elevates that and again, it's absent in the remake. That's this angle of what's going on behind the scenes. And if they're even worried about curing people, like, I don't know. Because I don't, like, pay attention to every single conflict across the globe for the last 200 years. But have they ever just been like, well, better nuke it. You know, oh, that town ran out of carrots in the supermarket. Better nuke it. Is, is, let's just nuke it really a viable decision that is made like we get to see the decision making process here uh of let's just nuke it so we as the audience know that something like that may be coming uh does this doctor though he's still pouring his heart and soul into something that is eventually trampled underfoot so frustrating
0: very frustrating then you have david who is likely the only person in that entire town who is actually immune to this trixie virus Um, Something that Judy postulates that he might be immune. She starts feeling the effects and it's very sad. He leaves her in like a little uh, brick fort while she's sort of babbling to herself and and he kind of realizes that she can't keep her mouth shut. She's going to get discovered and stuff like that because she's just not self-aware. Eventually, when he's even captured, he's brought to that school and he's just like, I guess his whole disdain for the whole thing, he's like, nah, fuck you, I'm not going to help you, because my fiancé is dead, my, uh, and my unborn child is now dead, my friend is dead, everyone we were traveling with is dead, your incompetence has doomed us all, and by the end of the film, they're just overrun by crazies, and it's not even overrun in the sense that And they're all killing them. They're just waving over them. Like they're just bumping into them and everyone's just like, they've completely lost control of the situation except for the fact that they have successfully contained the town. But oops. Now that they've successfully locked down this town, there is another town not far away that is now starting to exhibit symptoms of the crazies. And then, you know, the one guy... Who is running this whole show? Basically, like has to strip down nude, is helicoptered out of there, and he's off to do the same thing, presumably, in the same town. And the cycle repeats anew. In the remake, you have the two survivors after the town is nuked, which I'm just like, was it important to nuke the town? It looked like they killed most everybody, anyways. But they nuke the entire town, they get away, and then they're walking towards the city. And then it just shows the spy satellite saying population this amount, which I guess the implication is like, I guess, time to destroy an entire city because we're the evil government and who cares? This is just the end of the movie and we're never going to touch base with this. It seems so hopeless in the original 1973 crazies because it's out of control, whereas the remake never will make it seem like the government is not in control it always makes it seem like this is part of the plan for some reason this is part of the plan and i think the 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 conspiracy nuts people who love the shady notion of the government never thinks of the government as just a bunch of geriatrics trying their best to organize things and they don't know any better than we do but we're elected We elect them into thinking that these geriatrics can like run our lives or at least organize shit. when it's chaos which is to me the real meaning of the crazies they believe in like this hyper competent all-knowing all-controlling all-consuming government that knows everything and everything's part of the plan and to me it seems like it's more comforting because if there's a plan then as long as i'm part of the plan in a, in a positive way, or <laughs> at least in a neutral way, what do I care? But in the 1973 version, it just, it, it's out of their control. They the, the, the implication that the next town over is now exhibiting symptoms of the crazies, and we know that it takes a couple of days for symptoms to start manifesting in people, and you and I know, and everyone listening knows, what life is like in a pandemic. It's like, man, something weird is going on in Wuhan, and then next thing you know, man, there's sick people in Antarctica. How'd that happen? <laughs> like like you know that's just the way that this shit spreads cuz no one will stop moving <laughs> like every no one will stay put um so uh, like to me it just seems so much more hopeless in the 1973 period. but yet the movie seems less serious does that make sense more serious and less serious at the same time
1: i think it's because the um people are our survivors i suppose we'll call them Uh, don't take it too seriously in a way they seem to just be on a road trip Mm -hmm. like yes serious things are happening and people are are dying around them but they're not you know they're not out of breath they're not starved they're not dehydrated they're not um, you know they could be on a road trip going anywhere really they just it doesn't strike us with that sort of terror that we are struck with in the remake where that's one thing they're good at. The intensity is lower and the seriousness is seems to be lower. And our fear of the other in the government is lower. But they do nail the fact that the survivors are taking it very seriously. Oh, yeah. And the roadblocks that they, can, that they encounter are life and death roadblocks mm-hmm. where a lot of the times in the remake it's just like, oh, can't go this way. Let's go this way.
0: Mm-hmm. The government very much is... Like I've said 50 times already, the government is very much the enemy in the remake and they make no bones about that. And there is very little good on either side, save for like one example. Uh, and everyone is, is uh, the crazies are so violent and so dangerous that you do have to be very grim and very dark. And, and, and whereas in the original, there's this, There's almost like a, a silliness to it, because not necessarily every one of the crazies is violent. Not every one of the crazies is dangerous. In fact, the most dangerous things in the original crazies um, are the soldiers. The soldiers are the ones that are the most dangerous. Um, the crazies themselves can be dangerous, can commit murders, do burn houses and stuff like that. But not all the time, because they have entire school gymnasium full of people who are infected by the crazies held together by maybe 10, 15 guards, and they're just sort of babbling away in a gym.
1: You reminded me a little bit of Reanimator, what his uh, defects look like, or is it the second Reanimator? Just bumbling around, mindless. Yeah, I feel that these two movies are stronger together. Mm-hmm. I really do, because. There are some shortcomings in the original, maybe due to age, budget, mm-hmm. whatever. Romeroisms that exist within the film, cartoonish acting up against cardboard cutout acting, which doesn't quite cut it in the 2010. And the lack of intensity, the lack of a real villain, or you know, lack of understanding of how the government is working and what frustration they're feeling on both sides. Uh, it is a frustrating and hopeless movie. In the remake, and I enjoy that very much as a feel bad film. It works where the feel bad end of the uh, remake just strikes me as a sequel fodder. It doesn't really have that same sort of impact because we didn't have uh, that pervasive hopelessness and frustration throughout the whole film. Yeah,
0: it's like we could, it kind of just the entire message of Romero's film says we could do great things and accomplish great things if we could only get out of the way of the system we created that inhibits us from doing that at every turn. People inherently want to be good and they want to do the right thing, but to be part of a a government entity, you are not allowed to do that. Or at the very least, you have to look out for your own interests first. Interesting. Very interesting. But I do like them together because, like, like always... When I'm looking at remakes, particularly fairly old ones like 1973 is a long time ago at this point, um, it's interesting to see what writers and directors will do in 1973 and then how people will try to adapt it. So, you know, younger people of the moment, in this case 2010, will respond to. And, you know, everything that was going on in that remake is coming from a genuine place of the audience. We hope the audience likes and responds to this. And from what I can understand, from what I ever hear about the remake of The Crazies, people love it, so, you know.
1: Yeah, it was was well-liked and well-received, I believe, when it came out, if I recall. I was only disappointed that it wasn't a hillbilly horror of people burning down uh, farmhouses over and over again and people stalking around the town stabbing people in the guts with pitchforks like this that's really what i thought the movie was when i first saw the trailer and um, not that i was i was disappointed in that the movie i had built in my head didn't exist but i i'm not disappointed by the crazies and i would love to see a third remake because we have a lot more of a cultural memory now with directors and artists have a lot more to play with for the scenes that we're seeing right now from downtown ottawa this afternoon of police and protective gear uh trying to do their best to corral the masses and not have to arrest too many fucking people all the while still allowing this not protest to go on this freedom rally by allocating specific streets and times and amounts of motorcyclists that can uh tour and celebrate their freedoms as they want to so there's a real balance between what the police or government want and can do or what the people need or demand of them so there is a much better balance now and we've also seen uh uh, the heightened bumbling and we've seen people stepping down because that's one thing i don't see in either of these films is any of these army officials being like you know what i'm not gonna take this anymore i i'm out of here because of the bumbling or the secrecy or the fact that they're going to nuke entire towns to contain an accident that it was their fault. So yeah, we don't see that sort of people stepping down where we did here with our police chief stepping down the last time there was a rally. I guess it's a good thing that we don't have a police chief right now because he might step down.
0: (laughs) Conservatives lost their leader uh, last time around and we we lost our police chief and, who knows what we'll lose this time, but I can tell you what I'm losing is my fucking patience with anyone who's talking about freedom of any kind to me has become a suitcase term to mean, I'm a big, big racist and I'm a big, big dum dumb. And so I just say freedom and free speech until, and because those are things. And then I say, I'm doing this for children. Like it's like things that people used to say about like, about that are supposed to be good things for the kids, free speech, freedom, my freedoms, your freedoms for one and all secretly means, you know, I'm a big, big old racist and I don't like people of color and I don't like gay people still. And like, we're still having this conversation and and it's sad. I was like, (laughs) like, how did this, how did like this all happen? How did this all happen, Lydia? I don't know. And you
1: can't, you, you, every time you ping it on something like, okay, you blame, you blame Trump and then you have to go back another step and you blame somebody else and you go back another step who influenced that person. Or it's the same followers of that that glom onto the next big dumb thing. And I have to recommend a podcast here is Conspirituality. Mm -hmm. It's the Conspirituality podcast. I highly recommend it. One of the hosts is from Canada, so they have a little bit of an angle on what has gone on here as far as the convoy protests. And they are thinking about it more of a global thing, and they do focus on North American insanity, especially when it comes to the people who are involved in this sort of woo woo, they're almost multi level marketing wellness and health and yoga and spirituality and the right thing and the good thing and clean living and eating. And how that is tied in intrinsically to the bigotry and the racism and the hate and the the screaming for more freedom. And it's a very fascinating show that has a very good take on the roots of what, what you're talking about there with these people that are using this term of freedom and save the children as a blanket for some very, very dark things. And much like a cult, the people that are brainwashed into parroting this bullshit have no fucking idea the very dark and racist roots that they're coming from they just they just unfortunately don't it's very sad to see it continuing where people should just wake up and research who it is that they're following and what their actual goals are
0: but then they'll tell you to wake up that's the craziest thing i was just like anyway Anyway, this is the whole we could talk about this for six hours, but fuck all that. What <laughs> do we got next for them?
1: Coming up next, we have a fan request from our favorite listener, Thomas Nichols. You can catch him at Tncomedy.net too, and he's gonna be touring as a comedian. That's what he does, that's his gig, that's his shtick, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's way funnier than us. So you can always check out Thomas on Twitch too. But he wants us to watch Chad, and I wanna watch Chad. I want to talk about the word chud specifically, but yeah, I'm excited. I haven't seen chud in a I'm bit. I'm very
0: excited about uh, doing chud. Um, it's nice to stay in the in the, in the moldy oldies for a little while. You want to know something that I did notice about the crazies 1973 that that is gone from cinema? It's the way people act when they get shot. And you know, like it's like when you're watching like the old Planet of the Apes movies. Anytime anyone ever gets shot, they like hold their stomach like they got like a little tummy ache. And then they just sort of curl forward like a pill bug, and then they just like fall on the ground, and like now everybody like fucking blah 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 like gets exploded and like they get shot to like a million pieces, but I'm like I like I, I think that if someone made a modern movie nowadays and someone got shot and they were just like, and you heard like that like, and they're like, and they just like fall over sideways. People are like, why the fuck no one dies like that? Um. Anyway.
1: that's why we Uh, fell out of using the wilhelm scream
0: and on that note i'm wes knight
1: and i'm typical lydia
0: and you've been listening to dead air